0: It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses.
1: Element. Element. Element
0: FM. Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That, of course, is 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa, anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app and then type in 106.5 ELMNTFM or 95.7 ELMNTFM. And listen on your device of choice of course you could also listen on our website at Element FM, uh, and choose uh, one of the two stations in ottawa or toronto 1065 or 95.7 and uh, listen uh, through our website as well which might come in handy uh, for our guests uh, which we have with us uh, on the show right now they're south of the border and we have with us leo nolan and he is the executive director of the iroquois nationals as well as rex Lyons, and he is a member of the organizing committee. So, uh, gentlemen, I want to say, Scano, Sego, uh, Segoli, and welcome to the show.
2: Sego, great great to be with you guys.
0: So uh, you're here, of course, because recently there was some some news about the Iroquois Nationals uh, that they were not going to be allowed to go to the World Games uh, being held in, in Birmingham Alabama, in 2022. But, of course, that decision was reversed. And, and there was some confusion, first of all, with the organizing committee itself, because they said that the Iroquois Nationals didn't represent a sovereign nation. Uh, but that was reversed. Uh, and then, of course, by the time that decision was reversed, unfortunately, the Iroquois Nationals... Uh, couldn't go because all eight uh, all eight spots had been filled. But by chance, that a team, the uh, the actually 12th place team, the the Ireland uh, Ireland team, said, "You guys got to be there." And they gracefully bowed out and and opened up a spot for the Iroquois Nationals to go. Can you take us back and tell us a little bit about you know leading up to this? Were you guys expected to be on the roster right away? This is Leo. I'll I'll explain real quick
2: like some of the background, then Rex sure. can tell you the specifics about okay. how we uh, managed to um uh have this uh decision uh changed. Um <clears throat> you have to uh uh remember that one of the goals of World Lacrosse and its predecessors, ILF and FIL, has always been to um bring lacrosse back into the Olympics. Mm. That's always a big goal, which yeah. is great. You know, it's probably the biggest sports uh, maybe the Super Bowl a little bit bigger, but I certainly think and, the Olympics are followed. And, and it but, should be there.
0: The cross should yeah, be there. It's such a, the great and, game. such a yeah, great game. Yeah, it is a
2: great game. So finally, we got it got uh, provisional uh, status right now to have lacrosse uh, uh, be considered for the Olympics in 2028 in Los <laughs> nice, Angeles. Nice, nice. So that's always been the goal. And um, once that provisional status is lifted either the next year or the following year, um, then um, Olympic uh, Olympics will adopt uh, the game of lacrosse as part of their um, part of their, uh repertoire of um, sports, team sports. That's very Um, exciting. Yeah, so World Lacrosse, World Games and the IOC, all three three are separate entities. Um, Mm. World Games, for the first time, will have men's lacrosse in its uh, portfolio of team sports. Um, When World Games does their World Games, which is the year after the Olympics, um, for team sports, they only allow eight countries to participate in team sport events. Um, and it was by invitation mm. World lacrosse under invitation. We weren't included mm. for reasons. were not really clear to us. We weren't privy to those kind of, uh, conversation about what exactly went into that decision. But, uh, we were left out, even though we're, we're the third rate yeah. team in the, in the world out of 68 countries now play lacrosse second in box lacrosse indoor lacrosse. So we were kind of taken aback by this, but, um, mm-hmm. that's sort of what uh, happened. And Rex can probably give you a little bit more insight into what, uh, Transpired after we found out about this. Okay, great.
3: Uh, yes. Um, uh, first of all, thank you for having us on the program, and um, and uh, it's been a very interesting journey here. And as you already expressed, that um, uh, us being excluded uh, came as kind of a shock to us, uh, being that we are third in the world in the outdoor game and second in the world in the indoor game. You know, uh, we clearly have have earned our spot mm. and uh you know a, a couple of of couple of uh concerns as 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 we mentioned you know it going to the olympics uh, i think there was a um, concern on the on the side of world across that we could be problematic because of our uh our, our our sovereign position that we hold and we travel in our own documents mm-hmm. and, and um that uh, that has always created uh, challenges for us because uh, as you know we don't you don't ask for permission to be sovereign you just you're as sovereign as you are yeah so that always uh, created challenges for us but uh, anyway I believe that was uh, a large part of the the concerns on their part but um, not getting in touch with us or not having a, a part of the, the conversation where we could have put our heads together probably could have avoided some of the uh, uh, a melee that was happening on social media and, and everything else that that was kind of uh, beyond our control. But um, once we found out, we 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 directly responded to to World Across and and um, expressed our uh, our disappointment and not only our disappointment, but uh, we weren't going to accept that position because we didn't think it was just and we. We initiated some meetings with the world across and and see how we could potentially address this issue because uh, we knew that if we didn't get into the World Games, it'd be a slim to no chance of us participating in the Olympics. Mm -hmm. So we had a a pretty big uh, challenge ahead of us and it it was very, very uh, concerning to us. And we just wanted to get some clarity and, and see if we could, you know possibly uh, um change some of these decisions that had been made
0: right and so you you approached the organization what what were they saying to you uh, rex well, was saying that the, it wasn't really clear you didn't really understand why this decision was made um what what i've seen about this decision and and of course what has and we've heard about this before uh with with the team in tr- in terms of even traveling right it, is that the, the you're not sovereigns, so you, you you don't have that, uh, that. Uh, right. Right. Uh, so, well,
2: you, well, David, you know, you got to remember, um, your definition of sovereignty may be different than ours. World lacrosse definition of sovereignty may be different than what ours is. I mean, when you, you know, I, I don't know how sovereignty technically is always defined, but uh, certainly we have to look at where we are, where the Haudenosaunee yep. community is today. You know, we have treaties with the Dutch, the French, the English, the United States government. We have a government-to-government relationship here in the United States with the United States government. It's not based on race. Our relationship is based on a government-to-government relationship. Right. So we have treaties with, our, with these countries. You don't make treaties with yourself. You right. don't make treaties with your own citizens. So technically, when it comes down to it, our sovereignty is probably stronger than a lot of other countries. Um, certainly, we have our own passports. we traveled on them before. Um, they've been accepted. Um, sometimes we run into issues, um, sometimes we don't. But um, so it, it's a matter of uh, we hold our own territories. Mm-hmm. you know, At least seven in New York, upstate New York, ten in uh, Canada, yep. uh, one in Wisconsin, one in uh, in Oklahoma. So we have, um, uh, in some respects, I think we meet the definition of sovereignty in a lot of different ways, and more more so than maybe other other entities, other communities may may do that. Um, certainly, we, we've had a lot of dealings with the United Nations, which of course another organization that, you know, looks at sovereignty very closely. So I think uh, our standing in the world in that regard, I think is really, really, was really critical for how we presented our case to be included in the world games. Mm -hmm. Now, um, you know, part of this is the lack of uh, true historical reference to American Indian, Alaska First Nation folks Mm -hmm. in our public schools and what's
0: taught.
2: So a lot of folks don't quite quite understand that kind of um, uh, relationship that our sovereign uh, entities yeah. have with, with other governments. Um, second thing I wanted to make sure you know about is that we had no intention, none whatsoever, of taking another country out right. of that eight team invite, yes. eight country invite that went, yes. went forward by yes. World Cross for the World Games. Yes. We had no intention of doing that at all. We were hoping that perhaps they could expand the field mm. to maybe nine or 10 teams, mm. But um, World Games uh, basically has a hard and fast rule, I guess, it says team sports, only eight countries can can, can compete. Um, we were not privy to both the decision that was made about those invites before they were sent out. Uh, we, like Rex said, we did immediately, when we found out, immediately contacted World Lacrosse. They immediately sent back a note saying that that was part of the issue. Um, they're looking to not jeopardize the chances of getting – lacrosse and the olympics which we certainly can appreciate but however like greg said i think we were involved in the early decision making we could have helped um ameliorate this um, kind of situation so again we were not in favor of knocking any country out right Uh, every country that does this and spends a lot of time preparing your team and all the resources got put together to get a team to a a world lacrosse championship takes a lot of energy and most most of these countries do it on a volunteer basis. from right, 10, but, um, right. I, well like, I, I appreciate
0: I appreciate what you just said there about sovereignty and what I meant by it when I said that was that you're perceived as not having sovereignty that's what I should have said because I certainly understand the sovereignty issue and and uh, all of those things that you just referred to so thanks for for clarifying that uh, and and bringing that up um, you know the, the thing is that as the creator's game, as, you know, the, the Haudenosaunee are, the, the, create, are the, the creators of the game. And it came from the creator. It was given to the Haudenosaunee for uh, medicine as well as uh, entertainment for the creator. And, and that history alone, uh, that, that, uh, the fact that it came from, uh, from the Haudenosaunee, you would think that it's, it's a slam dunk, if you pardon the expression, that, that the Iroquois Nationals should be there.
3: Yeah, I, I would like to expand a little bit on that, you sure. know, uh, to add to, to what, what Leo was saying, you know, as part of, part of the, uh, the sovereignty concerns, you know, we, the, uh, the World Games uh, loosely uses the, um, the, the uh, IOC's um, criteria which uh, means you have to be a recognized nation state within the, Mm. uh, in the United Nations and which we, you know, we didn't fall into that category. There's not, there's, there's no box to check for, for where we fall, you know? Mm -hmm. And so uh, this has always been a challenge for us, but a lot of these uh, challenges were not of our own making, you know? Uh, And one of the things that makes it very complicated is that we're located in both Canada and U S and in order to get a barcode in the, in our, um, uh, passport there you have to have three entities agreeing on, on you know terms and conditions which makes it uh, even more complicated mm. you know so so that was a uh, part of the issue and 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 you know the ongoing the the, the political aspects of the of, of the olympics is a lot more stringent mm. you know but that i i believe was one of the one of the immediate uh hurdles is that they were, you know, they work, uh, you know, it's kind of a prelude to the Olympics. So they were using the criteria that, uh, you know, we needed to address and and which we, which I think we did very effectively. And I think it was kind of a blessing in disguise because we were able to address some of these issues going forward so that when we get to the next challenge, which is, um, you know, creating an NOC, which is... A, national olympic committee uh that's going to be a very challenging uh, undertaking but we've already made some very uh, healthy inroads to to uh, establishing our position and i think uh we kind of got ahead of the curve having to deal with this you know in, in in the time that we did
0: right you're listening to element fm in toronto and ottawa that's 106.5 in toronto 95.7 in ottawa anywhere across the country if you download the radio player canada app Please don't go away because we will be right back with more right here on Element FM, right after this. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses.
1: Element. Element. Element FM.
0: My guests here on Moment of Truth are Leo Nolan. He's the executive director of the Iroquois Nationals, as well as Rex Lyons, and he's a member of the organizing committee for the Iroquois Nationals. And we were talking about the Iroquois Nationals and the fact that they will be going to the World Games in 2022. And, um, however, the story is that they were originally omitted and then the Ireland team, uh, uh made way for them. They, they decided to back out and give a spot, uh, for the Iroquois Nationals to take their spot and, uh, and, and, and be at the games, which, which was very exciting. Now, when, when you guys, um, uh, Leo, I think you said that there was no way you were you were you, you were gonna try and take someone else's spot. But when Ireland did that, uh what 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 did you guys think? Well
2: my my first reaction, David, was that um empathy mm. for the Irish team players mm. and coaches. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, getting to a world championship, world games is it's technically, I guess some, something of a world championship, mm-hmm. I believe, and um, certainly having the top eight countries there certainly makes it makes that happen that way. So I was really, uh, I, I was uh, uh, at a certain amount of uh, concern for the Irish players and the, and their team mm-hmm. and uh, doing this uh, magnanimous
0: mm-hmm. gesture that mm-hmm. they did.
2: Uh, that was my first reaction. Second reaction was well, you know, I even though I felt uh, a, a bit of a sorry sort. Sor- circle sort of this for what what occurred to them um at the same time you know this should not have happened this way it should have been done in the right way in the beginning of communication mm-hmm. and, and, and making sure that everyone understands each other's uh, status so to speak um i think is really important so i i felt well you know a, a right was wrong a wrong was was taken care of irish folks um did a great um gesture mm-hmm. I just can't believe the amount of uh thanks that many people have, have expressed about Ireland doing this, both in our community right. and, and the non-native community around the world. Right. So it's been a, it's been a quite the ride, but I think, um, I don't know, Rex can, Rex has had more dealings directly with, um, with the Irish lacrosse association oh. than I have over the last Great.
0: Year. I was, I was going to ask about that if you'd actually uh, had a chance to speak with them directly.
3: Yeah, we, we, we arranged a, a meeting, a zoom meeting with uh, Michael Kennedy, the CEO for uh, Ireland lacrosse. And, um, you know, we we are overwhelmed. You know, with gratitude and respect for for uh, you know the, their selfless initiation of, of uh, you know the initiative to, to give us uh, you know relinquish their position and, mm-hmm. and give us a spot. And we wanted to express that. And uh, one of the first things we did was we changed all of our, our colors on all our social media platforms to green and gold, mm. which <laughs> which really uh, which really got a lot of. Uh, <laughs> enthusiastic uh, uh engagement you know nice. and people want to buy it by the hats because we had we had our our logo our, our eagle head right there in in green and gold people want the hats the t-shirts <laughs> you know so we we've we've created this special bond because yeah. uh one of the things that we we you know have the reverence we have for the sport itself you know it's about inclusivity and it's about right. uh you know everybody you know when you play the game win, lose or draw, it's a win because you're playing for the creator. And, right. and the Ireland really embodied the spirit of lacrosse mm. by, by by doing that. And we wanted to express that because I think uh, one of the things I wanted to say, I said, you know, I'm sure you, you might not uh, understand, but uh, I think th- this action in itself will probably have more ripple effects in a positive way for for ireland lacrosse than than mm-hmm. all of the tournaments <laughs> that you could ever play <laughs> you know and i think they've started to um already uh experience some of that positivity that's 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 happening because of their sportsmanship you know yeah. and uh we, we've created a special bond and we're you know we were supposed to go to the u19 championships in limerick last uh last summer but because of the virus it got postponed the next right. summer and uh We've decided to like how can we, you know, really, really, you know, express this in person and, and we want to bring uh, a couple of our youth teams, you know, to, to have more of a, a a cultural uh of a, mm. a cultural exchange yep. and and make it more personal. And uh, because there's a there's a real bond here that was created yeah. between Ireland and the Iroquois nationals.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's and, Mike,
3: and Michael said, you know, just uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But Michael said himself, you know, and I and I always reiterate it, it, his his quote. It says, you know, it's that simply it was the right thing to do. Which which in, in this day and age is is such a remarkable and refreshing value that we we seem to have lost, you know, in in you know just in this society. That uh, you know, it was really really powerful. And uh, you know, I, I just I have to commend them, and 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 I always try to uh, you know emphasize that you know whenever but, I get an opportunity.
2: And, and you know, this 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 reverence that Ireland has for the game is shared by, but I think everyone who participates in lacrosse, uh, whether you're in another country or United States or Canada, but I think the reverence that everyone has for the game is really a strong, strong value that I think more of us could um, understand and appreciate for how much we. Appreciate what the uh, game has given to all of us, and what a connection there is worldwide. It's 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 pretty amazing, David, how this uh, how this brotherhood and sisterhood of lacrosse uh, exists out there. Um, you know, in 1847, uh, the Choctaw Nation, Choctaw Indian Nation of Oklahoma, sent to uh, the Irish folks when uh, the Irish famine was going on in 1847, a few hundred dollars to help with the famine. Mm. This is 1847. Mm. That um, provision that the Choctaw Nation of Choctaw Indians of, uh, of Oklahoma did is uh, celebrated almost every year in, in Dublin. There's a statue in one of the middle of the parks mm. that commemorates that huh? gift that these Indians gave to, I mean, this is 1847. Yeah. Cho- <laughs> Oklahoma did become a state till 1906 or 1907. I can't mm. remember what it was. I wasn't wrong, but it was yeah. This just before before there was even the state of Oklahoma. And it's, right. it's a real connection that continues to this day and i I think that connection that we now have with Ireland because of this gesture they did is even stronger than it was
3: mm. uh, to this point point. That, that's, that's, uh, and I think to expand on that too in, uh, this past year, Ireland did the same thing for the virus they they put together a fundraising campaign and, and for uh, for I know the the Navajos and some of the southwest uh, nations that were really hit hard by this uh, uh virus mm. and I mean, that's, that's the appreciation and gratitude all the way back. And we've also expressed this, that we were, we were going to reach out. We want to reach out to the Choctaws and, ha- and bring them along next year, if all goes well, and have them do a, um, a, a stick, game, stick ball game. Mm. And they have, they have a, a two-stick version of, right. of lacrosse. Yeah. It's very similar.
0: That's great. And, and the Irish
3: loved that idea, you know.
0: <laughs> I was going to ask you if you guys had something special in mind, maybe, uh, you know, when you get there, maybe the first time you get out on the field to, to maybe celebrate that or acknowledge the, the Ireland uh, team. Um, yeah, we,
2: yeah we, we do have some plans for that. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And typically, David, when we go to these other countries, we're, we're asked to spend a little bit more time, uh, a couple extra days, maybe a week to uh, do some workshops and clinics mm-hmm. for their youth teams, yep. which, of course, we will... We will do, um, given uh, all the circumstances, but bring our young folks over there. Right? Our under 20, our guys that are under 20, I think it's really gonna be a real uh, eye-opener for them. Mm-hmm. Many of our, many of these younger guys have not been to other countries. It'll be a real, uh, a real uh, cultural, uh, we're looking forward to a real cultural exchange. Um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna uh, make sure that our folks going over, both our adults and our kids, our young guys, um, have a better appreciation for Irish culture, lifestyle, mm-hmm. And have a better knowledge about what the Irish folks are about in their history, mm. and so I'm going to uh, we're going to do some briefings with our players and such. So when they go over, they're not, uh, you know, they're not uh, they, they can appreciate even more what Ireland right. stands for.
0: Yeah, uh, that sounds uh, very exciting. And you know, uh, in in everything that you guys are referring to and talking about here, it makes me realize that, and, and this is no news for you guys. Um, there the team has had issues in traveling. I think I remember something about uh, going to Israel a few years ago or something that, that there was some uh, travel document issues that is that correct? Am I remembering that right?
3: Yeah. Well, actually, uh, back in 2010, we we actually didn't go to England Mm. because because of our uh, passports. And, you know, at the time, Hillary Clinton was the secretary of state and she had to come back. She was in the Middle East uh, on business and she had to to come back and deal with it because it got such media attention. And, um, you know, there was there was uh, much deliberation and they were going to give us an exception. And we said we would take that, you know, just so we could get to the tournament and then we could go back into the uh, into the uh you know conference rooms and discuss the, you know, how, how we're gonna deal with this later on. But in the in the interim, you know, once that we got the green light from the US, then uh, England changed their position and said that they wouldn't accept our documents. So it's always been, you know, very, very challenging and um
0: you know, it's, it's interesting because whereas other teams represent uh, their countries and play the game, um, the Iroquois Nationals have a lot more at, at stake just in terms of the game itself as the representatives of the, of the originators of the game uh, and, uh, and the challenges, as you've said, that you bring forward. Uh, specifically, you do that uh, for purposes of re- having your, your sovereignty recognized, which is absolutely correct. Um, but those challenges, I think, make uh, you know have have uh, further uh, benefits to to other people outside of the game, of course, as well. And it raises that whole uh, profile, not only of the team but of of uh, the Um and um, it paves the way for different changes. I I guess, you know, it's interesting because the, <laughs> it can't help but be somewhat political. In, in, in some ways this, the, what you guys are doing um, and so where I'm going with this is what you were just saying about going to Ireland and, and the exchange and that bond uh, overall do you, do you think that people that are playing the game outside of the Iroquois Nationals understand the history and do they know the history about about the connection to the Haudenosaunee and, and, um, and, and do you think that the, the um, committee itself understands and knows that
2: you know, it's, it's gotten better, David. It's, um, it's a learning process, like everything else in the world is, you mm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's, uh, it's gotten better. And I think that more, uh, more countries, including, you know, the, the ones that really are <clears throat> some of the bigger players, U.S. Lacrosse, U.S. and uh, Canada and other countries, England, Australia, Japan, um, have started to have a better, a, a more complete understanding about what lacrosse is about. You know, it's it, yeah, it's a game, but in fact, you know, like Brett was saying, it's used for medicine purposes. It's controlled mm-hmm. by the creator. Part of that responsibility was to share the game with others, mm-hmm. which I think we've done very successfully. So yeah, I think it's um, it, it's gotten better. It can it can always get better because you have new people coming into the into the uh, network of lacrosse folks, and uh, the more we can do with the youth, uh, both here in the United States, Canada, and other countries, I think it's really important for us to. For them to have a better appreciated understanding about what the game is um when i played in college um uh, back in the late 60s you know very few of my college teammates um understood what lacrosse was really about mm. They just saw it as a game that they yep. played in high school and went on to play in college and uh i think it's it's changing david i think it has a lot to offer
0: yeah oh absolutely the
2: basic principles of yep. the game is
0: yeah you know absolutely um uh, speaking of the game itself um how how are the how are the players taking this now all this news
3: i think uh it's been extremely positive i think one of the things that really came to light is that you know being being uh the, the, the some of the uh success we've we've displayed you know people just assume that we're established and that they were they were kind of shocked that mm. we're still dealing with these um, mm. these issues and globally. Not and then you know within the lacrosse community and just just the general public, you know. Mm. And as you as you know that uh, just in society today, there's a lot of uh, you know a uh, concern with social justice, Black Lives Matter, yep. inclusivity. All of these things are starting to come to to light here, and people are, are very adamant about. Um, you know, a healthier um, pathway forward, and and I think uh, you know we kind of it was very topical uh, our situation, mm. you know, and um, I know that a lot of our players, you know, they play with the U.S. players because everybody plays right. in the pro leagues, you know, sure. at this level, yep. most of these guys are professional players. So they all know each other. There's real friendships there. Yeah, yeah, and I know it was very uncomfortable for some of them to to play on the same team and knowing that this was uh, that this uh, injustice, so to mm. speak, was happening. You right, know, and right. and and they spoke up. You know, because yeah. they, they wanted to change because they they believe we belong there too, and I think it's really important to 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 kind of beyond the way that we got here. Uh, uh, we'll World Lacrosse and Iroquois Nationals have a much healthier understanding of one another, where we're going to be working much closer together, and understanding that we, you know, that we're very valuable and we bring a lot to the table, and, and you know, we can be um, uh, extremely uh, positive in in you know, executing and and you know, making sure that lacrosse is successful, getting into the mm-hmm. Olympics or wherever mm-hmm. it may go. You know, and I think uh, that that understanding has really come to light with all of the support that we had globally and internally, and all of that kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. You
3: know,
2: in, in our, our players uh, play a different style of lacrosse, I think, than other others do. Right. Um, it's pretty wide open. It's uh, you know, uh, uh very free flowing. Um, yeah, we have plays. We have certain offenses we try to run through, but in fact, reality is that. Uh, The individual's um, own ability to handle situations, the lacrosse situations, really helps showcase the talent that I think we have. We have a very limited talent pool, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. There probably are not more than 100,000 Houdini Shoni people in the world, Mm. men, women, children. And out of that pool, it's just a few hundred players that we uh, depend on to become the third ranked team in the world. Right. And um, I think it really does showcase the talent and the, um, the amount of time that, you know, it's like anything else. It's practice, practice, practice. Yeah, and yeah. you got to enjoy the game. And I think our players enjoy the game to a to a, uh, in, a, in a different way. And I think it really helps them to understand and appreciate what the game means and all the physical, mental, social, even spiritual aspects that it brings to, mm. brings to our communities and to our players. Well, I'm sure the guys.
0: Well, I'm sure the guys are all pretty excited about going to the World Games and representing uh, uh, the Haudenosaunee and the Iroquois National Team. Absolutely.
3: Well, I, you know, as 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 you mentioned earlier, I said the players have a much deeper understanding of what the Iroquois National is all about. Because you know, a lot of times I was I was on the the original team, you know, and I and I played in three World Championships, and there was a. A very painful evolution to where we got to where we are now in the the standings, you know, because most of us were um, box players Mm. playing the field game, Mm. you know, which are are two totally different animals. And and, um, you know, uh, it took a long time to get the understanding that the Iroquois Nationals, we know, had had a a, another mission, a parallel mission of the uh, the uh, self determination and the sovereignty you know, where we could really had, had an opportunity in a platform, a vehicle to implement that. And I think the players today really understand that and they're really engaged in that. Mm. That's a huge shift, you know, where they said, what can we do? We we can no longer just be the, be the players anymore. We we also need to be the voice right. and, and the spirit. So yeah. that's really, really uh, pushed the needle. I, th- I believe. Yes.
0: Yeah. Nicely said. I think that's where I was going with what my comments were uh we're, we're saying earlier. So thank you for saying that. Guys, uh, our our time is up, but it's been such a pleasure speaking with you. And I really want to say, uh, Nyawa, for uh, taking the time to join us on the show and and and, and share this uh, story with us about the Air Corps Nationals going to the uh, World Games in 2022 in Birmingham, Al- Alabama.
3: Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank yeah. So okay. Yeah. Okay. So,
0: uh, yeah, OK, guys, uh, Leo Nolan, he's the executive director of the Iroquois Nationals and Rex Lyons is a member of the organizing committee and they will be going to the 11th edition of the World Games. It is the first time where lacrosse will be at the games and a uh, very exciting, uh, very sort of uh, interesting story about how the uh, the Iroquois Nationals ended up there. But as you heard, uh, it has involved the uh the Ireland team, and they've got a new bond with that, and that goes right in line with with lacrosse and the story of lacrosse and the Iroquois Nationals as they move forward. So congratulations to them. All the best. Hope they kick ass down there. And uh, it's been a pleasure having you here on the show. We always like having you with us each and every day. Uh, and, you know, if you're not familiar with the Haudenosaunee, they are made up of a group of uh, about six, Mohawk, the United, the Onondaga, the Cougar, the Seneca, and the Tuscarora First Nations. And when we come back, because we are going to be coming back, you're going to be hearing a story about a BIPOC youth hockey team established by a former NHL player, and we'll be uh, speaking with them uh, right after uh, with their assistant coach Aaron Atwell. Don't go away. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses.
1: Element. Element. Element FM.
0: Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That's 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa and anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app, type in one of those two coordinates, 106.5 or 95.7, and then E L M N T F M, and listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's a pleasure to have with us here on the show, uh, Aaron Atwell. Uh, he uh, played uh, in four leagues over the course of his hockey career. He played with the Ontario Junior Hockey League. He played with the Ontario University Athletics Association, the Southern Professional Hockey League, and the Federal Prospects Hockey League as well. And uh, Aaron is here to talk to us about uh, a really interesting uh, league that has just started. He's the assistant coach. Um, and the the new uh, hockey league um, has, has been started by... Uh, Akim Alu, and he, uh, of course, is a former uh, NHL player, and it is it is a Black, Indigenous, and People of Colors team, and it just recently played in Etobicoke at, at a, uh, a tournament. So, uh, Aaron, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: It is a pleasure. And uh, you, as I said, are the assistant coach on the team, and... Um, now I know that the 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 team is set up and running under a Lose uh, Time to Dream Foundation. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the about uh, when when it got started? Um, it was started pretty recently. Um,
1: you know, I was brought in uh, as a late addition to help uh, Keem with coaching on the bench, mm-hmm. um, but he had set this up with uh, Martin Ross from the Toronto Hockey School. Um and I think a couple of the parents had come together and uh decided that they wanted to do this. Um so they reached out to other ethnic players within their leagues to put together this team to play in the summer in these tournaments. Um so the Time to Dream Foundation um was kinda asked to come in. Um and them along with RBC kind of put together some money to take care of the, the practice ice time and the tournament fees so that You know, we could really get ethnic and BIPOC kids um, who are playing hockey um, a platform to share their voice, um, to fight against the injustices and, um, you know, uh, really stand out and not be kind of like left in the backlight um, of things. So it was a pretty interesting and uh, eventful weekend.
0: Yeah, uh, the tournament. What was the name name of the tournament that uh, that the kids were playing in? Do you know?
1: If If I'm not mistaken, it was the um, Toronto Pro Hockey Tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really too sure about who runs the league, um, mm-hmm. but I do know that the Toronto Hockey School had two teams in the 2010 age group that were in the tournament, and the one of the teams was um, the BIPOC team that. Akeem and I were coaching.
0: Right. And uh, I know the kids didn't have that much time to practice, I understand, before they got in there. Um, How did they do?
1: Um, You know, they did really well. Um, We had, yeah, we had one practice that it wasn't really a team practice. It was more of just like drills, getting them on (laughs) the ice, because, you know, ice was pretty scarce during quarantine. Mm -hmm. Um, But we ended up coming in second place, um, Mm -hmm. you know, especially late in the first day of the tournament and the second day, like the kids really started playing well. It was, um, you know, it, it kind of makes you wonder if they were actually a team, um, <laughs> you know, all season around, like they'd be really scary, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but they, they competed really well. There's really good hockey players. Um, yeah, it was, I was, I was actually pretty shocked.
0: And, and what are the age ranges of the kids?
1: Um, so that team
0: specifically
1: was a 2010 age group. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were nine turning 10, uh, this year.
0: Okay. When you say that age group, does that mean you guys have other, uh, other teams in other age, age groups then?
1: Well, that, that was the first team we really did any work with, mm-hmm. um, with plans for the future. We'll probably be involved with other teams at other levels, um, you know, at lower levels, um, more like towards grassroots, um, you know, maybe like older athletes, um, you know. So for now, it was just that one team, but we don't know uh, exactly what's going to happen in the future.
0: Yeah, and, and the idea of this, uh, I guess Akim wanted to to get this team going because of, of a number of things. Uh, you talked about a couple of them, but I guess he referred to – When he was young, he didn't always have those opportunities, uh, as with a lot of these kids uh, may not have those opportunities uh, to be able to play, to get the hockey uh, equipment, to get the ice time, to get all those opportunities that many other kids may have had, may have. And he wanted to uh, get these kids together uh, to give them that opportunity. But also, he, as you as you say, it's about the uh, the bipoc uh, opportunity of for getting these kids and exposing them and getting more kids involved with the team, so that ultimately the NHL can pick from a larger roster of, of players uh, uh, and and cross uh, across ethnicities, right? Ethnicities.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, uh, it was it was tough for both him and I growing up. Like we mm-hmm. we played together growing up. Um,
3: mm-hmm.
1: There's a lot of things that uh, we went through as people of color playing hockey that maybe our um, most of our teammates didn't or never would face or even understand Mm. Um, so you know we specifically with this team because they are already playing hockey um, it was more to create a space for them where they were um, comfortable able to be themselves able to you know express who they are um, culturally um, as athletes and not be necessarily afraid of backlash um, and to not you know have to worry about taking a backseat to other players due
0: mm-hmm. to
1: uh, how they look.
0: Yeah, and I guess that's another side of this, isn't it? You want to give those, these kids the opportunity to, to play, like you said, not have to worry about uh, who they are who they are, uh, just enjoy the game, uh, improve their skills. Uh, be part of a team. And and also, I think, though, it sounds like you guys want to educate these kids on on other fronts to um, to prepare them um, in case they run into some of the things that you guys ran into.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of tough in uh, a, just a weekend for a tournament, mm. especially with the uh, COVID rules that we had to, mm. like, be around the kids for that long. But when we did get chances, we were able to, you know, offer up advice or like, let them know, like, Hey, like, we know what you go through. Um, this is what, um, the world is right now. This Mm -hmm. is how things are going to go for you. So, you know, how do we, um, how do we navigate through this while still, um, expressing ourselves as individuals? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because we didn't really have that growing up. I never, you know, my parents could, only teach me so much, but the hockey world was completely mm-hmm. different for immigrant parents from the Caribbean. Yeah. Um, so the fact that myself and Akeem we were able to navigate through it, um, it's something that we wanted to to give back some knowledge and wisdom to give these kids, so that you know some of the things that we go through, they're they're well prepared to handle. Um, unfortunately, they they will go through it, um, but you know the best we can do is at least arm them so that they're ready to. Um, face anything that comes their way.
0: Mm. Now, when the uh, when the call went out for this, um, and and the kids started uh, responding, um, what what were you uh, what were you what were you hearing from the kids when when they had this opportunity?
1: Um, you know, a lot of the kids were just really happy to play hockey again. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they they haven't been on the ice, and mm-hmm. then to be able to speak up and express themselves to be able to put um on their jerseys that meant something to them personally mm-hmm. um you know it for them it was just like this chance that they'd never have had before um you know and it's it's tough especially in hockey to express yourselves whether you're black white asian mm-hmm. um indigenous you know mm-hmm. um brown so I think just for them, it was like a weekend where they were kind of like let off the hinges and could just really enjoy playing and like let people know how they felt. And just, you know, it's like a huge weight being lifted off of your
0: shoulders. Mm -hmm. And uh, what is the name of the team? Did you guys have a name?
1: Um, The team was under the Time to Dream Foundation. That's what the team was called. Yeah. But I do think that most of the players are also from the Toronto Hockey School.
0: Okay, and I understand you were pretty excited about uh, having this opportunity.
1: Yeah, I've always wanted to give back. Um, You know, my I always felt like my journey is as well as a team. Like we didn't travel just for us alone through what we've been through. Mm -hmm. and that there's always a purpose and reason for what we do. Mm. Um, And mine specifically was was to give back um, to make sure that anyone who was in any situation um, similar to my own or where it was transferable, like any of my experiences that I could help, um, especially with the younger generation, you know, Mm. Um, people my age or older, sometimes they're kind of stuck in their ways. But, you know, for the kids, Um, you know, they're sponges. They were soaking everything up. Um, they're, uh, they're so impressionable. Mm. And so I want to be able to give them a bit of a, you know, I don't want to say a head start because, you know, they're fighting an uphill battle, but to at least put them on even ground or better footing. Um, so I, I was really happy. I was able to do that. Um, I was happy. I was able to reach out and that, um, the kids really took to it you know they listened um they competed um they were man there was so much like passion um passion and joy going on that weekend on Mm -hmm. the bench um in the dressing room you know it was uh was really a sight to see
0: that sounds cool that sounds really exciting i got a big smile on my face as you were as you were sharing that (laughs) that's great Uh, Just want to let everybody know you're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That's 95.7 in Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, anywhere across the country. If you download the Radio Player Canada app, type in uh, one of those two coordinates as well as E-L-M-N-T-F-M and then listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, seven days a week. My guest is Aaron Atwell. He's a a former uh, hockey player and he played in four leagues over his career, the Ontario Junior Hockey League, the Ontario University Athletics Association, which uh, at, at York, I think you played through York, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I did. I played there um, one season. Unfortunately, it um, mm. <laughs> didn't work out too well. Oh. Um, so I decided to uh, try my hand at playing pro. Mm. And, you know, I'm right. still kind of doing that thing, playing, yeah. <laughs> playing hockey.
0: Well, great. You should, right? You should be. Uh, it's good to hear. I, I, I mentioned that because uh, York is my old school, so I just thought I'd, I'd throw that in there as well. But, yeah, uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's a good school. Yeah. So, uh, Aaron, you, you're also the assistant coach for the, uh, for the uh, Akim Alu, uh, his team, the, the BIPOC team, uh, which is under the, the name of the Time to Dream Foundation. And as you were mentioning there, Um, A couple of questions come to mind now that you've had this weekend with the kids. You said they did really well. Um, And I know that there are uh, two kids from Six Nations, I think, that were on the team. Yeah.
1: um, And oh, my gosh, they were were good. Um, You know what? I didn't have much time with the kids. Mm -hmm. But uh, one of them was either um, his name was Caden or Tyler. Right. I'm not sure. Okay. And the other one, for sure, I remember because I was handling more of the, the D side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, his name was Dine. Dine was, mm-hmm. he impressed me, probably one of the most impressive players that weekend. Mm. Um, he was really good. The way he just moved, you could tell he was like thinking, reading the game. Mm. Um, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure, he, yeah, he was off a reserve for, uh, 20 minutes out from Brantford. Yep. Yeah. Um, so they had traveled in for the tournament. Um, but my goodness, yeah, those kids are, they're good hockey players.
0: Well, I, and you know, uh, the kids, uh, six nations, uh, have two, two big sports, of course, lacrosse in the summer, hockey in the winter. So, um, you know, that they're, they're, they're gung ho on that, that kind of stuff for sure. Um, the other thing is I'm wondering about now you've done this with the kids. What's, what are you guys thinking of the future now? What's, what's next?
1: Um, you know, uh, Right now we're just focusing on, um, you know, establishing relationships with, um, organizations, um, and businesses so that we're, we have, um, you know, for lack of words, like capital and resources Mm -hmm. to be able to give these kids. Um, and, you know, we also do want to get kids who aren't playing in the sport. Um, so there's a lot of groundwork going on for that now. Um, but you know, this tournament kind of helped, um, in the sense that, you know, I have two younger nephews at five years old and 11 years old. And even though they've seen me play hockey, you know, they've never really had this like desire to play that much. Mm. Um, but when they heard that there is like an all BIPOC team, you know, mm. even at their young age, they're like, oh, there's kids who look like me playing like they wanted to go watch. <laughs> Unfortunately, COVID rules um uh, kind of stopped that. Right. Um, but they were, you know, so. If, especially when kids know that they're going to be in spaces where there's other players who look like them and they're not going to be the odd one out or yeah. ostracized. Um, they're more willing to do and try things. So I think, you know, this, even involving ourselves with kids who are already playing the sport, when we highlight them like this, um, you know, it really inspires other kids to want to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So we'll be doing, um, you know, uh, a lot of different things when it comes to trying to promote um, BIPOC and hockey, um, one, working with kids already playing, and then two, trying to get kids who aren't playing in Mm. the sport and to have a means for them to play, you know, because they might not have the money. Right. um, Or economically, they're just not able to sustain playing a season or going to camps or getting skating lessons. Um, So we'll be doing a ton of things across the board.
0: And if people uh, hear this and they want to find out more, they, you know it might uh, might be triggering some interest, like you were saying. Uh, how do kids uh, and how do people co- contact you?
1: Um, so Akeem's uh, Time to Dream Foundation is run through um, timetodreamfoundation.org. Yep. Um, there's that website. Um, he's also doing a lot of stuff with um, the Hockey Diversity Alliance. Okay. Um, both you can also look up on Twitter and Instagram. Yep. under their same names um, official Hda and time to dream foundation
0: right so time to dream uh, dot org is the one way and, and and you can also make a donation as well if people are interested
1: yeah um, he' set up um, set up the website initially for donations that you know went to things like this with the tournament like you know funding practice time tournament fees um, and um so it's going to go a long way and when people donate you're It's really going to help out the, um, the BIPOC community, um, you know, outreach with, uh, within sports specifically hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, so if anyone, if you're willing and able, you know, um, just check out the website. There's a, a lot of content up there to kind of read about his journey and mm-hmm. what our goal is.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And um, have you, what kind of feedback have you heard so far? You know, you've gotten some press on this, uh, which is really great. Um, Have you had uh, people uh, just call out of interest or people with, you know, that are parents of kids that maybe want to get involved?
1: I, I personally haven't gotten uh, uh, many phone calls or emails just because yeah. I don't, I don't run the Time to Dream Foundation. <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm sure Akeem has been bombarded with uh, yeah. uh, a lot of things from A to Z. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when it comes to um, social media and um, the mm. content that we've been putting up, right. there's been a lot of positive feedback, yeah. um, you know, from BIPOC, from, you know, Caucasians. Yeah. Uh, mothers, fathers, daughters, brothers—like mm-hmm. just a whole bunch of people who have been pretty supportive of it. Mm-hmm. Of course, there are still people who are, you know, trying to pick out negative pieces to what we're doing, you know, oh, to right. support their own ideals. But right. uh, it's it's something we're prepared to to deal with, you know. Oh, um, right. It's nothing new, right. but there there has been a a huge amount of support, which is really nice to see.
0: That's great. Uh, listen, Aaron, just before we go, is there anything else we haven't touched on that you think uh, is important to mention and, and share?
1: Um, you know, I, I was actually speaking to um, DNA's father during the tournament. Mm. Um, and I told him that one of the only coaches I've had who ever gave me my dues um, was actually indigenous. His name was Mike Sharon. Mm -hmm. Um, he coached me my third year of hockey when I was playing for the, um, all-star team for the house league Mm -hmm. and, uh, against all the parents wishes, he gave me the captaincy and he gave me a bunch of ice. He gave me my dues, basically, um, dues that I had worked for. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, that's, that's one person I'll never forget. I don't think he was coaching much afterwards. Um, I saw him some years later. Um, doing scorekeeping when I was playing um, it might have been juniors or I was playing AAA mm. um, up at Westwood Rink mm. but uh, if, if he's if you're listening out to this uh, radio show I just, I just want to say thank you for what you did for me it, it really helped kick things off for me um, and one of the reasons why you know I'm inspired to give back to uh, BIPOC in sports
0: Wow, uh, Aaron, I wasn't expecting that, but that is a beautiful story to share. I think that uh, that it, you know we've heard about these stories about coaches that inspire and co- coaches that that uh, uh, have lasting impressions on kids, and uh, you just shared a direct one right there for us. And we really appreciate you doing that. That's that's really wonderful, and uh, and thanks for doing it on our show, and thanks for being on our show. It was great to have you.
1: No, it was my pleasure. Thank you very much. Yeah,
0: for sure. You take care and all the best with this in the future and and everything you do.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: All right, take care. Aaron Atwell. he's uh, the assistant coach for the Bipoc team that has been put together for the uh, through the time to Dream Foundation and and uh Akim Alus, a team former uh, NHL player, and they just recently played in a tournament in Etobicoke and uh, that is a uh, they, they have uh, black, indigenous, and uh, people of color on that team. And uh, what a great story. And thank you for listening right here on Element FM and Moment of Truth. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses.
1: Element. Element. Element FM.